Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dog Bifica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. Episode number 387 is what we're up to with me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, como é que é, amigo? Como é que estás? Alfredo, how you guys doing? Hopefully you guys had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving with your families and you have your tummies full of turkey and ready for this podcast. That's right. Dave de Oliveira, who had uh, his Thanksgiving a, a month earlier. I don't know why Canada celebrates certain holidays a month earlier than us. Uh, but Dave, how are you doing? The crops are uh, frozen by the time if we got to wait till uh, the end of uh, November. So we got to have it uh, early October. But uh, I still took the Thursday and the Friday off from work to uh, watch some football and uh, get some of the Black Friday uh, special deals. But uh, good to be back on here uh, tonight. Good yeah, real you. quick, my apologies, because I was like, you guys had turkey, you guys. So I completely forgot that our Canadian brothers do it a little bit earlier than we do. So my apologies to, to, to the Canadians listening. That's right. But Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. And, and obviously, uh, you know, and thanks during Thanksgiving, we give thanks to the things that we're uh, appreciative for. And uh, I, I said it on Twitter, but I'll say it again. Give thanks to uh, everyone that supports the podcast and has been faithful listeners and new listeners alike. Uh, so thank you guys for supporting us, as always. Uh, on tonight's podcast, on this week's podcast, we will recap the Rangers and the Maritimo games. We will also look ahead to Benfica's uh, match day five in Europa League competition against uh, uh, Lech Poznan and uh, Benfica's next domestic fixture against Pas Freire, which will take place this Sunday. Uh, without further ado, let's get right into this uh, Rangers game. Benfica traveled to Glasgow, uh, to Ibrox, to play uh, Rangers, lined up with the following 11. Uh, Elton Leite was in goals, Gilberto on the right, Jardel and Vertogen in the middle, Grimaldo was on the left, in the midfield, Gabriel and Chiquinho, uh, Rafa on one side, Everton on the other, Walsh, Schmidt and Seferovic 
um, were up front. Of course, uh, Darwin uh, with COVID, uh, Altamendi with the suspension in the game prior and the Lisbon leg when Rangers came to Stade Luz. Uh, so those were the, the, the changes. Chiquinho, who had played against Paredes and had an okay game against Paredes, mind you, um, deserved to get the nod in front of Gabriel in that ever uh, quest, uh, everlasting quest of to find the, the proper eight and the proper six on this team. Um, so that was the, the, the lineup that uh, that Benfica played. Christina, what, what did you think of uh, this lineup? Is this was this the strongest lineup that JJ could um, could field? Again, we got also late repeating his start from uh, from the Portuguese couple against Bridge. Yeah, I mean, look before 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 we hit that, you, you forgot to mention Adel Trapp, who's also missing due to COVID. Uh, that's right. Sorry. Adel, Adel, how do we forget about Adel? He's, he gets the big interview on record, and then you forget about the guy. Um, no, nah, all jokes aside. Uh, yeah, Adel was missing as well. Speedy recovery to all you guys. Hopefully we see you on the field uh, very soon. As far as the lineup, I mean, look, as you mentioned, Helton uh, was in the starting lineup against Paredes, but I, I was shocked. I was, I was shocked that, that J.J. decided to go with Helton in this game rather than, than Blanco Dimas, who I totally expected to be back. But for one reason or another, J.J. felt, um, you know, he'd give uh, Blanco Dimas another day off, and uh, here we are. We saw Helton, and I thought he held his own. Um, as far as the other surprise in the starting lineup, I don't know about you guys, but I was shocked to see Chiquinho. Um, I, I've just figured because of our options and due to our uh, limited options in the center of the park, I figured we'd just see another Gabriel and Pizzi tandem. And so when I saw Chiquinho, I was surprised. As far as everybody else on the field, it's exactly what we expected. We figured it, it was most likely going to be Jardel. There was a slight chance to see Ferro, but due to the fact that, you know, JJ favors the older, the veteran guys, you, you figure it was going to be Jardel, team captain. He's going to get an opportunity to play in European night. And, and everybody else was just, you know, what we all expected. Yeah. Um, and Dave, uh, first half, Benfica came out. Uh, well, pressing Rangers, but uh, then they gave up the early goal in the seventh, seventh minute on a play that was really representative of how the this Rangers team has approached these fixtures uh, with Benfica. Uh, always looks like a team that they're up to to get all the second balls that have more of a desire to win games than Benfica does, and and the first goal is is a mirror image. Of that uh, of that storyline, uh, a ball that gets uh, def defended hits hits the crossbar, comes back down. Mifika players watching, Ranger players following the second ball and being able to uh, to put a goal uh, past uh, Elton late. Nothing to point to him, of course, uh, but certainly this is the attitude that Rangers has carried into both of these fixtures. Yeah, for sure. And uh, on that goal in particular, I know there was a, a clip that was being uh, posted there on uh, Twitter uh, during the game and after the game of just Gabriel's uh, lack of intensity uh, of tracking back to um, to prevent that second effort, with, which ultimately led to the, the goal. Um, it was not one of Gabriel's uh, strongest uh, games. And uh, I think he definitely got uh, a little lashing after that game because I definitely saw an improvement from him in the Maritimu game in, in, in terms of tracking back and, and uh, playing more on the defensive side of the, the ball, but not to get too, too ahead of ourselves. But yeah, it was not one of his uh, finest performance uh, against Rangers. In order to show some intensity, you must first be at least attempting to try, right? Running. 
uh, Gabriel was just like, hey, I'm here for, for a walk in, in, in Scotland. I'm having a nice, nice jog here. Not even a jog, a nice walk here in the Benfica 18. Oh, off the crossbar. He got a front row seat to, to, to the action. Oh, my man was, I mean, he, he could, you know, explain to, to, to everyone at home exactly what happened because he had a perfect seat for, for that uh, Rangers first goal. And, and by the way, Helton, phenomenal first quick reaction save. I mean, his reflexes were on point. And then, unfortunately, his defense uh, let him down. He was just sitting there ball watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, second half, J.J. makes a, a, a change, a double change in the 55th minute. Gonçalves and Pizzi coming in for Walshmith and Chiquinho. Uh, and certainly, Benfica at that point changed a little bit of, of the game. Uh, 69th minute allow Rangers their second goal and Benfica go down to nothing in uh, another goal where the defense was too passive and allowed a, a Rangers player to get a shot off and and really get uh, get past uh, Benfica. Um, I thought that uh, the second half was a lot better from Benfica, especially when they had to chase chase the results. And what they really showed was that. Rangers shouldn't really have business even competing with uh, Benfica at this level. Uh, Steven Gerrard has mentioned that Benfica is a team that that belongs in the Champions League because of the, the level of caliber of players that they have and what they're capable of playing. Uh, but certainly Benfica has not played to their level as of late. Uh, I think it's been more evident in the Europa League as the competition is much stronger. Uh, but certainly when Benfica had to chase the result, Cristiano, it was a different Benfica and certainly a more dominant Benfica for this this Rangers team. Absolutely. And look, there, there's plenty to question or even criticize here under under JJ and, you know, and what they've done of late. But the one thing you can't question is this never say die attitude. The one thing that we've seen so far with this ball club is that when they go down, something seems to go off in their head and they finally start playing some football. As you mentioned, dad, did that a, a, a commanding stretch in the game, 20, 15 minutes, whatever it was, where we thought Benfica is going to walk away with the three points here. Uh, because once they put the pedal to the metal, it's as if Rangers, they, 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 they couldn't do anything to stop the Benfica momentum. It was just, you know, a matter of time before Benfica got on the scoreboard. Unfortunately, they did not. But this team, at least the one positive thing we can say here so far under JJ is that they have that never say die attitude. And it's something that we've criticized over the last couple of years. Once Benfica went down. There was no way we're going to overturn the score. And, and, and at least they're doing that. Um, there, there's always some positives to take away from games. And that's something that that I'm really appreciating with this ball club here so far. It's just unfortunate that they can't put it together the full 90 minutes. There is no reason why you're going into, you know, a, in a way, European match. And, and you know, he's just lackadaisical. He's just going through the motions, watching, as we mentioned, with Gabriel, watching the game rather than actually being involved in the game. And, you know, it takes this team a little while to wake up. They did it. Hopefully, you know, uh, luckily for us, it's back to back games against Rangers uh, where it, it wasn't late enough to at least pull off a draw. But, it, it, you know, we need to be better. We simply need to be better. JJ needs to get these guys prepped um, and, and they need to get these guys ready to play from minute one to minute 90 because we've seen when Benfica plays their style of football. They apply the high pressure. Uh, they get everyone involved in the game. It, it, Benfica is able to toy with these teams. I know. You know, as we mentioned on last week's podcast, that going on the road uh, with some of the key figures that we're missing, as we mentioned, Otamendi, the world of the the Tarapten, and obviously the huge loss uh, of Darwin in this match. And then also add Vigo with 
with uh, Corona, another guy that wasn't available. You had Samadis, who's not even registered for European competitions. So you knew Benfica was very limited, at least in the center of the ballpark. They were very limited, and, and, and Rangers were going to make things uh, interesting because, as Dave mentioned last week's podcast, they, they came to the lose, tied Benfica 3-3, then they went off on an 8 nothing or what was it, Dave? 7-0, nothing, 8 nothing result. 8 nothing and 4 nothing. Yeah, they were just absolutely demolishing everyone that's been put in front of them. So, you know, confidence-wise, we're going to come into this game flying high. Benfica is going to have to come up from, you know, from obviously, you know, uh, with those key players missing, they were going to, you know, we figured they were going to at least take a little while to set into the game. But once they did, you could tell that this team, this team's definitely the better team. And it's just unfortunate that Benfica hasn't been able to put a full game together from minute one to the 90th minute. Yeah. No, I, I like the, the the fact that you, you, you want to, look at this match as, as the cup half uh, full uh, type of angle, right? But why not, if you know you're, you're a much better team than Rangers, why not the sense of urgency? Why not putting at least a good first half uh, that mirrored the last 20 minutes that we played? Why do we have to come from behind or we have to be behind to really play to our capabilities, Cristiano? Is this something that's, uh, that has to do with coaching? Is this something that's mental? Is it some some confidence? We were talking about the, the word confidence uh, with this team before uh, we turned on the mics. W- what do you what do you think it's missing? Do you think it's just a matter of putting out a consistent performance and then building up on that each week and each with each game? I think, look, Alfred, I think you hit them all. You hit all the subjects and, and, and all the flaws of this team. And every little thing you can kind of take something from, from, from each one of those scenarios, the confidence, the coaching, the players, um, the consistency. And you could kind of ball that all into one. And, and look, I, I think once J.J. touched the team, right, he made the substitution of the PZ and, and, and Gonzalo Ramos, brought it into the game. That changed Gonçalves. the game. Was it Gonzalo or Ramos? Pizzi and Gonçalves came in, uh, came in in the 55th, and Ramos came in in the 70th minute for Gilberto. Then okay, but then I'm, I'm to me it looked like Ramos. So, but Ramos was was an influence in the game. Also. I, yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it was Gonçalves. Uh, I mean Ramos. Um, that being said, you could tell once he touched the team that the team started picking up play. So you start to question, is it, did he change tactics overall? It was just the players that came in with the same, same exact tactics because tactically you saw formation wise, it ain't changed much, right? Figure PZ comes in for Chiquinho and it's just, but those players made the difference. We've seen that PZ as much as we like to, you know, to hit on them here and to bang on them here on this podcast, the guy, when he's in form and he's scoring goals, Benfica's a different team, and he's been carrying us with his goals, not just in European nights, but back in the in, in the Liga Nos. Um, So it, I, I, I blame it a little bit. You know how I am. I'm going to blame the players a little bit here, uh, but I, I know that's going to sound like a cop because I'm a JJ guy, and we all know that, and I have no shame in admitting I'm a JJ guy, but he hasn't been good. Uh, he should have identified those, those weaknesses. If these players who – I've shared my opinion on the podcast, Alfredo, 50,000 times that some of these guys I don't think have the caliber to be on this roster. And Shaquin was a guy that I've mentioned to you countless times. So when you're starting a guy who I don't think should even be on the roster, obviously it's going to be a drop off from the PZ of the world, even though PZ is not the greatest player in the world, but it's still a drop off. And once PZ comes in, 
he implements the system. I think he has engraved in his head more so what, what the coach wants out of this team. And all of a sudden, the, 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 it's a different ballgame. So, it, you know, I, I, it's a little bit of both, but I blame it on the on the. Players. Yeah. No, look, I, I think that people understand what PT brings to this game. And it's it's one sided or to this team, rather. It's one sided. It's not two sided. Uh, and I think what PT offers to this team is something that Chiquinho can't. And what PT can't offer this this team is something that Chiquinho can. So defensively and positionally, uh, and in terms of balancing the defensive transition, I think that Chiquinho has more of a brain and more of a work ethic to do that. But in terms of going forward, in terms of creating, in terms of picking out a pass, in terms of having the vision to to spread the ball, and and albeit PT hasn't been all that great in terms of passing and turning the ball over, but he he can find that uh, that needle uh, that that needle uh, pass certainly is is I could see it when you have to pick. Chiquinho over PT, depending on what the game plan is. If it's something that you need to make sure that your your midfielders need to be positionally stable and sound, that I could see how weak he could go with Chiquinho. If you need something, somebody to create, now that we have the absence of Tarap there, uh, you definitely want to go with PT. So it's it's a two-edged sword, if you will, in terms of what each player can, can bring you. If you could combine those two guys, you'd probably have a very, very good number eight. Uh, but unfortunately, you can. Dave, we were talking about confidence, and, and it's something that, I, that I've heard a, a couple of people mention that this team sometimes, it, it, they look like they lack confidence. Um, Everton post, uh, post-conference, after the Maritim game was something that that he mentioned uh, that uh, that there's there's some confidence that the team needs to to get to a confidence level that the team doesn't have and sometimes maybe it's it's a break here and there that the team doesn't get that could probably push them over to more consistent consistent performances. Yeah, that I don't know if it's it's confidence or if it's PTSD of how last season ended and seasons uh, previous just with the core group of guys and I know we were chatting about this kind of uh, in the uh, during the Rangers game of guys like Pizzi and Rafa I don't find them to be the real strong mental leaders that uh, a a club of ours should have right when the going gets tough it feels like this team uh, just packs it in uh, mentally and it does look like they they their confidence is definitely shaken um, hopefully a guy like JJ can, it's not going to take one week, one month. It's going to have to be a, a season long project where they do build this uh, team's confidence back up. Um, but I do think that their confidence is shaken and this doesn't, this doesn't stem from something that's happened this season. I think it goes back last season and even further, uh, back with this, uh, the squad here. I, if I recall guys, if I recall. I don't know, a month, two months ago, we touched on that same exact subject here on a podcast, Alfredo, where we talked about JJ kind of turning over the locker room, uh, the, the mentality, right? Because this team is very fragile. The leadership in the locker room, the, I mean, you could question uh, that very much, right? Uh, so much so that Anonta Mendy comes into the team and, and, and after like a week or so, he's wearing a captain's armband. 
Um, so there's there's a lot to question in that regard. But right, it's it's I feel this team is scarred. This team has been scarred over the years. As Dave said, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be a week, a month. It's going to take a little while. Hopefully, uh, JJ is the right man to, 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 to turn the confidence and turn uh, the minds of these players into a positive one. But, you know, we do see some positive signs, as I stated before. You know, in previous couple of seasons, when Benfica's down, uh, going into that, whatever, down at any point in the game, it, it was like, forget about it. You know what? Pack it in. Uh, see you next week. We're not overturning this result. And at least they're fighting. And, and we love that fighting mentality. Um, I know, Alfredo, you, you, you're you a huge critic of, of some of the guys on the field. From what we've seen, their attitudes and their performances last year, it's as if these guys had given up. And this year, even those guys that we questioned last season are at least look, it looks like to us from the outside, right, that they're at least putting their, their best efforts in, um, you know, week in, week out. And so there's, like I said, there's, there's some negatives. But let, let's try to spin things in a positive way. This team hasn't won consecutive games and God knows how long now. Um, as you mentioned, Everton mentioned that the confidence um, is lacking. And absolutely, when these guys aren't playing up to the best of their avail- abilities, we know Benfica spent a boatload of money this offseason. Tons of pressure on this club. There's no fans there, as you guys mentioned. Uh, the fans might alleviate. Uh, some pressure because they could actually elevate you to the next level with that, with that, just that, that the, 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 the roar of the fans and that extra adrenaline into your body. It actually takes you to, to, to other places that you don't even think you could get to at times competitive wise, but uh, you know, and at the same time, it could alleviate pressure because these guys aren't there, you know, hag has, you know, harassing you week in week out at a stadium. Um, but, but, but I think, I, I, I think that, you know, there's, confidence wise um as you guys mentioned i think i don't even know i lost my train of thought i was thinking about where the adrenaline could take you and i lost my train of thought so yeah uh, no you know and and i do remember when we uh, initially broached the subject on uh, on the confidence aspect and then there's something within the locker room it was actually jj they came out with one of the press conferences and he mentioned that there there's something uh, there's a new leaf that they need to to turn uh in the locker room because of some of the the mental scars, and they may very well uh, be there. And I certainly understand what you when you say when you mention when you look at a team that could slowly turn it on and finish the game at a very good level. You know that level is there, but the key becomes how. And as Christiana mentioned, how do we put a ninety minutes together at that consistent level? which was something that we saw early in the season, but we kind of, kind of, it, it has dropped down. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I mean, seeing a team claw results back and, and getting back and, and showing some of their ability, it's encouraging. Um, but, but certainly there's a very high expectation on a team because of JJ, because of the amount of money that was, uh, that was spent. And look, not making any excuses for anybody, but it's, it's difficult regarding regardless of what team you want to call Barcelona, Real Madrid, you name it, the best teams in the world. It's going to be difficult to get on that consistency level when you constantly have guys missing for one reason or another. You have to keep your base together, at least for, you know, any type of extended period of time in order to get these guys on the same page. And then you can build off of that. But when week in, week out, and we've seen and due to injuries and due to JJ's inability to identify, right, who is 
midfield tandem should be, right? Because he's he's had a difficult time doing that. And, and I'm surprised, but he's had a difficult time identifying who the two guys. Is it going to be Tarapta and Vigo? Is it going to be Tarapta and, 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 and Gabriel? Gabriel and Pizzi? Gabriel and Vigo? Somebody. And until we get that consistent 11 going, right, it's going to take time. So it's 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 going to be difficult um, until these guys all get on the same uh, – get on the field at the same time, obviously get – Get a couple of weeks, you know, uh, under their belts at practice. And the one thing we've seen with JJ, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, man, he keeps talking, he keeps mentioning how difficult it's been without training, how difficult it's been to implement his tactics, his system with these guys. And the one thing we've seen in JJ's career is that his teams have never really leaked goals. And we see that, I mean, as as Dave mentioned in, in, in our stats, it's now 20 consecutive matches in which Benfica has conceded an away goal across all competitions. Last, last, Think about this. The last time Benfica held a clean sheet away in Europe was October 2016. We are now almost in 2021, ladies and gentlemen. October 2016 against Dinamo Kiev. Okay, Eighth consecutive European match where Benfica has conceded two or more goals away from home. I mean, it's not good. And we've seen under JJ, he might not you know, always get the best results possible, but he wasn't leaking goals. And so um, something has to give. I think JJ needs to identify who his best 11 is, stick with those guys a little bit, uh, and hopefully they will be able to hold down this tack. They'll be able to hold down the opposition. And, you know, maybe our center midfielders will be a little bit more invested in the game and, and, and track back a little bit more rather than watch a game. And I think that might help us a little bit. Yeah, and that, that central midfield pairing is something that's so crucial. It's almost the heartbeat of uh, of JJ's game idea and, and, and tactics uh, that the fact that we haven't been able to put out uh, a, a consistent duo that has uh, given this team consistent performances is, is is perhaps one of the biggest factors why we uh, we are stumbling. Um, as you mentioned, the 20-game streak, uh, and then as I wrote this, this this Rangers team, uh, this Rangers game was a 12th game uh, in Benfica season, and we have allowed 16 goal, uh, 17 goals uh, in 12 games, which is something that very very odd for a JJ team, uh, and usually th- those are built up on on defensive on defensive prowess. Uh, but certainly uh, coming out with the with the with the tie. Uh, leaves Benfica still in a good position. We're tied with uh, with Rangers in in first place and and really in control of our our destiny to make it to the next we're round. Down but a tiebreaker, though, Alfredo. Well, we're, we're down, down on a tiebreaker. Yes, or three at the lose, we only score two. I mean, you almost got the three three draw would have been at least level everything up across the board. <laughs> yeah, no, I think these last two games uh, in which Rangers and uh, Benfica will play. The, the two uh, teams that have three points currently in the group are, are going to be uh, key to decide who's going to finish the group in first. But nonetheless, uh, a tie is uh, at Ibrox is, uh, is, is a good result with the exception that this Benfica is so much better uh, than that team that tied the uh, Rangers on both the Luge fixture and the Ibrox fixture. But uh Dave, I'll I'll start you off uh, with this stat, and I'll and then I'll I'll let you go because you got some interesting numbers. But Gabriel in the Rangers game, twenty six turnovers, twenty missed passes. 
There you go. You got the stats to uh, to prove the eye test that uh, we all saw as well. But um, and Chris already pretty much went over the uh, the other stats here. The other one that I just wanted to bring up was uh, you talk about the draw at the Ibrox. That was the uh, first uh, first non-win uh, going into uh, that uh, that game. Rangers had ten consecutive wins this season at the Ibrox. So. Benfica kind of put a, a dent in that uh, that record. It would have been nice to hand them their first loss, but uh, like we said, a draw isn't uh, all that bad as well. Yeah. Did you uh, did you guys mention the eighth consecutive European match uh, stat? Yep. Chris uh, went over that. That uh, it's now eighth uh, Benfica's eighth consecutive European match where Benfica's conceded two or more more goals away from home. So, starting in Frankfurt. Uh, the Europa League uh, two seasons ago and through Zenit, Lyon, Leipzig, Shakhtar last year and even Pauk, uh, Poznan and Rangers this year. It's just uh, the song that never ends with uh, Benfica in Europe. Yeah, so, so uh, since we're, we're already talking about the Europa League, let's look ahead to the Lech Poznan game, which happens this Thursday, 8 p.m. local, 3 p.m. if you're in, a, in a Eastern uh, United States. Uh, Weigel and Darwin have tested negative, so they technically should be available for uh, this game should uh, JJ uh, decide to use them. Group standings, as I mentioned, Rangers, Benfica with eight, Lech Poznan and, and Standard Liège with three. Uh, those two teams traded wins uh, at their home grounds. Uh, so Benfica would, would really need a tie uh, to see themselves through to the next uh, st uh, round. Uh, but certainly what you want to do is you want to win the, the group in order to avoid some of the Sharks that will be coming down from uh, from the the Champions League. And, and certainly we were talking about Real Madrid, that that might be a team that ends up uh, in the Europa League. Uh, but I think that Pifiga has more than uh, a team to finish up the group and, and first. And, and like I mentioned, the last two games will be important to see what uh, Rangers and Benfica do uh, to finish out the, uh, the group. Um, anything on this game, Dave? I don't know if you, you had some, some stats on this game. Yeah, just uh, Poznan uh, currently in ninth uh, position in their Polish uh, league with three wins, four draws, uh, and three defeats this uh, season. Since uh, both clubs uh, faced each other, Poznan's gone uh, three wins, two draws, and uh, three losses. And uh, a win against Poznan will guarantee Benfica qualification into the uh, next stages of the uh, Europa League knockout. Christiana, how are you feeling about this fixture against uh against Poznan at Stade de Luz? I'm always confident, but as we know, this team likes to play a little Jacqueline and Hyde or whatever it's called. And Jekyll, and we, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. And Hyde, yeah. We never know what we're going to get. Um, hopefully, you know, JJ uh, figures something out. Um, and, and hopefully we, we get very important three points. I want to wrap up this this group. And, and like you said, a draw is enough, but I like to, to, to guarantee – uh, the knockout stage with a victory um, because I think this team, as we mentioned before, they need to get on some type of groove. They need to start packing, you know, wins back to back in order to get some of that confidence level up. And, and maybe then we can see the team that we all expected to see on the field. So in order to do that, we got to start winning games and, and teams like these and games like these are very winnable games and games that Bifika should absolutely win. And then on top of it, it's a style to lose. I mean, 
what other excuse do you need? Unless this whole team gets COVID overnight, um, there's no reason why Benfica shouldn't come away with the three points here. Knock on some wood, please. No, yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, so uh, yesterday Benfica played Maritim. We'll shift, the gear, shift gears now to uh, the Maritim game. And Cristiano, a marquee matchup in this Maritimo game, uh, much anticipated, much like uh, how people anticipated the Mike Tyson and uh, Roy Jones uh, matchup. And that was the matchup with Gilberto and Hermes on that uh, on that right side or left side of, of Maritimo. Um, and so I'll give you the lineup, uh, but certainly a, a very anticipated matchup between those two past glories of past and present glories of Benfica fullbacks, here, bro. Past, I still he just arrived. You already seen past, huh? You already gave him as a flop. Hermes, you can't get rid of him. You always find a way to come back. Before you give the lineups, who would you take, Hermes or, or Gilberto? You, you can only take one. I'll forget what we need. Forget we, whether we need a right back or left. I'm just asking, player for player, which one would you take? That's a tough one, man. I know. That's why I asked it. <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, that's like that. That's no. I'd I'd take Hermes at right back, even though he's a left back over Gilberto. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Your dad down on Gilberto. What about you, Dave? Sorry, my headphones cut out there, but I think you asked. Uh... Gilberto or Hermes, I think I still got to go with uh, Gilberto. But we never really gave Hermes a, a run. He get, he got his run at the B, B team, but I, I'll go with uh, the devil we know. I'll take Gilberto only because we don't know. He might still shock us. So the unknown. We already know what we got out of Hermes. Hermes, Hermes, Herpes, whatever his name is. But we Gilberto might still shock us. So I'll take him just because of the unknown. Go ahead, Alfredo. Go back. Stiano, to did you know? Oh, we're back to those. I missed those. Did, Did you, know? you know that Hermes was actually a champion for uh, for Benfica? I think we talked about it on the podcast. He played so, yes. one game that yeah, year. I, that's all it takes. Yeah, we talked about that. I think that that, that might have been one of your previous. Did you know? <laughs> yeah, it could have been. <laughs> uh, Vlaco Dimus and goals, Gilberto and Grimaldo as fullbacks. Otamendi and Vertonghen in the middle. Gabriel and Pizzi. Uh, in the midfield, Rafa on one side, Everton on the other. Walshmidt uh, behind Seferovic was how we lined up against uh, Maritim. And, uh, you know, nothing to uh, nothing really to, to point out in terms of this this lineup. This is what I feel was is the strongest Befica lineup that you could uh, field. Um, really, we, we have to start. We have to start this game with this uh, with this Otamendi uh, mistake. Um, and we were again talking before we, we turned on the mics, uh, but as you know, as, as you were mentioned, this was something that that was mentioned by, uh, by JJ when he was asked about the mistake by Otamendi. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he mentioned, he mentioned something that he was, uh, that, that made sense. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with him. This is one of those execution mistakes. This is a play that Otamendi has done. Uh, 3,000, 5,000 times throughout his career. Um, it just he executed it poorly. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it didn't come out, you know, what his intention was. He never got the ball back to Blanco Demos. But I don't think, I mean, all these calls for sabotaging, I think the reason he mis-executes uh, that pass, right, is because I think a lot of that is playing into We talk about so much about confidence, right, in our previous segment. And I, I I think there's few players on the field that feel 
that, that are lacking in confidence more than he is right now because I think he's actually paying attention to what's going on off the field. Once he signed with Benfica, they brought him off for $15 million. There was so much pressure on him, so, many, so much criticism, as, so many people questioning as to why they even signed him. And I think he's trying to live up to that hype, and he's trying to prove to everybody that he's a professional, that he's trying so hard that the guy's constantly committing mistake after mistake. And it just seems as if it, you know the mistake is seeking him out and it's finding him rather than anybody. It's just, it's always the same guy. And I know it's easy to sit here and point, you know, because of his history, they sabotage him. But uh, I think JJ hit it on the head. This was a, an execution error. It wasn't a, you know, a Gabriel error, as we talked about in the game against, against the Rangers, where he's just walking back and he's not into the game. He's not into the flow. He's out of position. He's not paying attention. I think those are more, a little bit more difficult to take as a coach. And even as a fan, when you see a play like this, a play that the guy does, you know, a hundred times a, a season, two hundred times a season, and, and look, he just, he just, it, God's weren't on his side, and and he misexecuted that pass, and obviously, uh, credit to 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 to, to Maritimo, credit to uh, you know, uh, the, what's his name, Pinto? Was it Pinto? I forget his name. Who, who's the guy? Pinu. Yeah, Pinu. Pinto Pinho is close. Uh, credit to, to, to Pinho to, to chip it over Vlaco Dimos, but I think we need to lay off of of, of, of Otamendi for a little bit, guys. I, I just I think we're we're putting way too much pressure on all this bull crap going on off the field. He's a professional. This is a guy that plays with Argentina, and he looks like you know a, a bulldozer, and he comes to Benfica, and all of a sudden he's having these execution errors that we did not expect uh, for a player of his caliber. So. Um, I don't even know what to say no more. I just think this team, like I said before, we're snake bait and we're cursed. Yeah. No, I, look, I, I don't subscribe to the conspiracy theory also and the sabotage. I I, I don't subscribe uh, to that um, at all. Uh, and I, 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 do, I do agree with you, Cristiano, with the fact that the very high pressure and the fact that He's already had to read a lot of comments, both on social media and on the newspapers in terms of, ah, former Porto player, uh, was one of the, the main guys that celebrated when the lights were turned off and, and the sprinkler system was turned on. Uh, look, I, I, and I mentioned here when we first acquired him, uh, these guys are professionals. Uh, and especially South Americans, there's no allegiances to any clubs. They're just they're just professionals. They have allegiance to their families. They have allegiance to how much money they're going to make. They have allegiance to the lifestyles that uh, that they lead. They don't have allegiances to clubs, especially South Americans. I think it's it's very rare that you find a, a South American that spent a couple couple years at a at a club and and there's a, there's a, a very strong allegiance there. So I don't subscribe that uh, that there's there's any wrongdoing by by Otamendi. I just think that. There's a huge magnifying glass on on him uh, and every single move uh, of his is magnified to the hundredth power. Um, and if you if you're looking at an Otamendi and you wipe out all his Porto uh, past, uh, you're probably not having the same discussions. You, you're still having a discussion that's, yes, this guy's making mistakes. Just joined the team guy that came in for with the 15 million uh, price tag should be doing better. Argentina's Argentina center backs uh, starting center back should be doing better. 
But at this point, you you there's a lot of people and 100 percent of the people have probably given him the benefit of the doubt. Now, the fact that he's got Porto ties, all of a sudden it flips this whole story around. And now there's all this conspiracy theories uh, around and, and surrounding him, which I don't subscribe to at all. And I, I don't think they've uh, you do also or, or what what's your whole take on this thing? I mean, I wasn't one that was celebrating the move when he when we swapped Ruben Diaz for the in cash uh, for Otamendi, but um, I mean, it's not like we don't have our replaceable or guys that we can replace him with. We have Jardel there, even if it's just for a match, sit him down. Um, like these, I've got some errors there that I just went back and watched. Like he concedes a penalty against Ferenc. Uh, the red card against Rangers, uh, the error on Braga's third goal, and the, this error on Maritimu's goal. Like, uh, if it was one or two errors, yes, but it seems like it's almost every week now that we're seeing some sort of mental gaffe uh, from Otamendi. And we have uh, Jardel and Ferru on the bench as well there. So it's not like we, we have to play Otamendi there and there's talks of uh, Lucas Verismud coming in in January. So begs the question, if uh, Verismud is coming in in January, is it going to be Vertonghen or is it going to be Otamendi that, that uh, makes uh, their way for uh, Verismud's spot? But they, Otamendi, I mean, due to suspension, but he did sit the last game and they still gave up two goals. Yeah. And here's the thing. You know what I mean? Like he sat his game. I know it wasn't any type of message by the coaching staff, but he did sit it. He did sit there. He had time to ponder. You have a player who's an Argentinian international, a player that at the end of the day, you've spent 15 million on to try to send some type of message. We all know what type of player he is. The coaching staff knows what type of player he is. They've mentioned a couple of mistakes there. Okay, the penalty I could get him on, right? The goal against Maritimo. That that should have been a foul. Do you want to credit him with a with with with, with a, Oh against no, that, Fren- oh, against France. I'm about the wrong one. Yeah, okay. But he, I mix it up. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, Braga. I, I, I was mixing up the different goals. I'm just I'm all over the place today. But uh, <laughs> yeah. The, no, Dave. Dave mentioned the France, but did you mention the Braga one? Yeah, Ferenc Braga, where he's uh, miscommunication there with uh, Vlaco Dimos and. Vlaco is out in no man's land. But you're going to blame him on that one? Yeah. 50-50. But but here's here's the thing, right? Um, If you sit Otamendi, who's better than Otamendi? None of them, I don't think none of them are better than Otamendi. We all like Ferro. But let's not forget, everybody on the face of the earth, with the exception of maybe his parents, Beat on the guy last year because he had a horrendous season. And now we're calling for him to start. I'm saying, okay, give him a chance. Give him a chance. I get it. But Are we just going to let him go by the, the wayside and like waste that whatever talent that might still be uh, there with Feru? Or are we just going to, is he going to be a lone casualty for the rest of his career? You like it or not, you have two 33-year-old center backs that are that are making a whole lot of money. And, and whether we like, that's besides the point. They're going to play. They paid two million dollars, two million euros, to loan to Debo. I understand he's hurt, right? But that's another guy that I think he, when he's healthy, he's gonna jump ahead of. Fer- it's unfortunate, right? We all like Federer. We want to see the kid play, but I just think right now he gets squeezed out on this team, whether we like it or not. I just think it's, it's a numbers thing. 
Yeah, that, I mean, uh, today's uh, today's uh, Portuguese press was mentioned that uh, Barcelona may call, recall uh, Todibo because of the PK injury. Uh, so we'll just have to see. Benfica's claims that'll that... Be, but I'm afraid that'll have to be an agreement between both clubs. I don't think they have a recall option on it. Right? No, obviously not. So, so, I mean, it's going to have to... Look, for Benfica, as Dave mentioned, you got Jardel, you got Ferro. You might have a reason. So it actually might benefit Benfica if Barcelona comes in and says, look, you don't have to pay his, the other one million, return him. Or maybe, look, we'll give you a million to cancel the, the six-monthly because we need him. So Benfica might might actually walk away from this scot-free, right? But Benfica doesn't have to return him because their agreement is for a season. So Barcelona could want all they want unless they take care of Benfica on the back end. Benfica doesn't have to give them back. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope that Lucas Verissim is able to be uh, locked up and, and can join the team in, in January. But don't forget, South American player, different pace, different speed, guy with talent, has never been to the national team. There's an ad- adaptation period there, so we'll just uh, have to see. I don't think that Lucas Verissim is going to be uh, the one, the be-all, end-all, uh, to the problems in our defense. I think the problems go way past the defensive line and go, goes back into that center uh, of the midfield. Uh, but certainly I think that a guy with uh, Lucas Verissimo's uh, pedigree, especially what he has shown in, in uh, Brasileirão, uh, could be a good fit for Benfica at 25 years old. So we'll just have to see how that goes. But uh, I think, look, I think that, um, yes, all the mistakes are amplified by his uh, by his past history. Uh, but certainly there, there are mistakes that it's it's technical mistakes. And, and if you're on the field, you're bound and you're always at risk of making that mistake because nobody's perfect, not even PT. What I don't understand is Benfica's way of, of, of doing business as far as player acquisition, right? If their intention was to get Lucas Verissimo all along, and we knew right early on that JJ had targeted Lucas Verissimo, that's who he wanted. He wanted him on the team way back in the summer. I don't understand why go out, spend $2 million for Todibo, right, who's who's injured, right, who's not playing anyway because of inju- his injury. And even if he was injured, I mean, even if he was healthy, there's no guarantees JJ would have played because, as we've seen, JJ is going to go with the, with, with the old guard. And now you're going to go ahead and you're negotiating over a million dollars or 500,000, whatever, to pay Santos in order to give reason. When you got those two million for Tadibu, you could have just thrown in a deal to begin with. No. Now you're going to wind up paying what they asked for anyway. Plus, you wasted two million on a center back that you're not even going to use. I just don't understand their thinking. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, you could, you could even make an argument that uh, that Otamendi was really the player that Benfica wanted. It just happened to be part of the deal and and shady shit that goes on in the background with agents and trading of monies and washing of money between clubs and these agreements that they make. I think that it, it was just the deal that could be done at that point, especially when you're losing uh, Diaz that close to the, the transfer window. So it was something that was open and Benfica pulled the trigger. Trigger. Uh, I think that if Benfica had more time to make a deal, they probably would have wrapped up Lucas Vrissim rather than Otamendi. JJ did mention uh, when when he knew that Otamendi was coming that Otamendi would have to learn how to play for him because the way he played for for Pep Guardiola 
is not the same. The defensive uh, system, defensive line, the defensive ideas are not the same uh, with Pep as they are with JJ. So you mentioned something. So that maybe there's still some adaptation there. I would like to give the guy a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than, than a lot of people are giving him. But certainly when you see mistake after mistake after mistake, at what point does he get bench time as a reset? But I, I, I'm with you. He just did sit the last game. Yeah, but sitting a game because you can't play, it's completely different. I I get it, but that's that's the way JJ is going to spin it. And as far as and as far as uh, Otamendi goes, guys, and I know I mentioned it before. You know, we got him for fifteen mil, but I don't. I I shouldn't have mentioned that before because when I think of Otamendi, I don't look at him as, you know, Benfica went out and got him for fifteen mil. I think City paid fifteen million more to Benfica in order to get that 15 million back so like that they could balance the books because of all the financial fair play situation and stuff that they went through and it looks sexier on Benfica's books we sold Ruben Diaz for 60 something yada 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 but at the end of the day we gave 15 million more because it, it was easy to tell the fans look we you know we sold them for 63 mil as opposed for 48 mil right it's a little spins it a little bit better. It's a 60 million price tag. And then, you know, balances the books. So as you mentioned before, Alfredo, uh, so eloquently, the whole agent uh, business uh, starts to murk the water. So, uh, you know, uh, it's. Yeah, but uh, getting back to the game, uh, Benfica did equalize uh, on the in the 36, 32nd minute. Uh, PT uh, found the uh, or Grimaldo found PT in the box and PT put it away. Uh, but really, this was a, a Maritimo team, uh, very much at the image of their their coach Vidigal. I mean, you guys probably remember when uh, when Benfica played Stubel and Stubel had a, a, a an immense amount of, of fouls and at the end. Uh, he said that uh, this is Istamaterra uh, de Mach. This is a, a, a macho uh, town here in Stubel, and that's how we play, like 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 uh, machos, uh, whatever. But every team that Fidigal has coached his physical. Uh, is a team that likes to kill the game in terms of game clock. This was something that Conceição had already, Sergio Conceição had already complained about before they faced Maritimo. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, this, this is a team that basically defended the whole game uh, on a pitch that had been uh, soaked by rain throughout the day and showed itself in a very bad condition in terms of the divots that would come up and in terms of how the ball rolled on the surface. Uh, but certainly after Benfica scored the the 2-1 uh, in the last 20 minutes of the game is when Maritim decided to come out and play. Um, but certainly, Cristiano, this is what Benfica should should expect from probably 75% of the teams in the Liga Nosh play defensively, p- play with the with the five defender uh, back line is always going to be hard. Benfica needs to be prepared to face these teams, but that level of, of urgency is not there. Uh, but I did think that this Maritim game showed a, some improvement on this team. Yeah, but look, man, it's let's let's call a spade a spade. Let's call it for what it is. It's Bush League. You know, Vivigal, this, I mean, this is atrocious. As you mentioned before, other coaches have already criticized their style of play. I, I mean, go back to the 20th minute. I understand their player was trying to get back on the field after a, a crazy uh, 
clash of heads between him and, and, and Otamendi, if I'm not mistaken. And the goalkeepers going down the 20th minute. I mean, it just they started very early on. And I don't care if you're, you know, Manchester City, Manchester United or Benfica. It's going to be difficult for you to get get into a rhythm of, of, of play when the opposition, anytime you get you, you construct anything, you get any type of flow. They're just going down and wasting time. I mean, this is we're in 2020. I understand that that the budgets are totally different. The teams aren't at the same level. But this is and obviously there's there's no way you could ban it. But it, it shouldn't be acceptable in football. It's atrocious. It's a bad image for football. It gives Portugal uh, and the Portuguese league a bad name. And this happens week in, week out. JJ said it after the game that they only play when they're down. And, and as you mentioned yourself, Maritim tried to pick up the you know try to pick up their pace, but it, it was a little bit too late for them. But it's just it's just ugly football. It's it's bad for business. It's bad for television. It's not something that um, you know we want to watch week in week out. Yeah, no, uh, and definitely, but uh, very typical of uh, of Vidigal's teams uh, to to play uh, play like this. But uh, again. Uh, Benfica is showing some resiliency and in, in coming from behind and and beating this Maritimo team uh, in a game where Benfica uh, desperately needed a win. And Benfica last win for the Liga Noj was against Bolognese Sad back on the 26th of October. And I know we had some international breaks in there and we had some some uh, some tacit Portugal competition there and, and stuff, but still, uh, Benfica can't afford to lose any more uh, ground in this race for the Liga Noche, uh, which is seeing a consistent Sporting, a consistent Braga, and a Sporting, of course, that's not involved into any um, um, European competition, uh, and a Braga that's uh, that's under Carvalhal that show themselves also very consistency, very consistent both domestically and in Europe, uh, and you got a Porto that's. Uh, that's also clawing their way back. So Benfica can't really afford to lose any more points uh, because it's going to be a lot harder to recuperate points in the table than it is to actually turn games around in the Liga Nosh. And look, it's funny. We criticize Benfica for being consistent, but that's exactly what they've been the last six games. Two victories, two draws, and two losses. That's consistency. <laughs> Consistently inconsistent. <laughs> but you're right. You're right, Cristiano. Um, Dave... Uh, Thoughts on this game, man? Yeah, just one uh, thought I wanted to uh, add in there. I know we uh, sp spoke about uh, Vitigal's uh, uh, kill the game uh, approach. And uh, our second goal actually comes from uh, a, a foul there, Gabriel and the Maritimu player. And the Maritimu player wants to go down to uh, waste some time for some injury, but Benfica kind of play uh play the free kick uh right away and don't allow Maritimo to waste that time and they end up getting the uh the go ahead goal that way so it kind of backfired on uh, Maritimo there they were yeah. kind of wait uh kind of hoping to uh have some more time being wasted there but Benfica capitalized with a quick free kick and they they got the goal the uh the game winning goal off that play there but um yeah I was, I'm kind of like with Chris there too um it's it was kind of disgraceful to see the the time wasting already begin in the the 20th minute as, as soon as uh Maritimu got their 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 first goal there it, their keeper starts going down with cramps and uh the clash of heads is well, I'll leave that out because concussions are serious we uh seen what happened to uh Jimenez this past weekend with um David, David Luiz so um so uh concussions are are a serious matter but 
these uh, leg and uh, arm cramps and uh, <laughs> collarbone cramps that these Moody to move players uh, were going down with. It's a disgrace to the game. Look, I think I mentioned this here. And, and I'm not to do with this game, but well, it kind of is time wasting. I mentioned on a podcast years ago, right, Alfredo, yeah. that I think if the referee has to stop the game for you to get assistance, there's a fourth referee on the sideline. You got to sit out for two minutes. The fourth referee can go ahead and manage that time, because if you want to go down and waste time, go ahead. Do what you got to do. But you're going to go down to men. That's it. It's no problem. They do that. No. They do that in uh, American football in the NFL. If you're if the training staff has to come get I mean, you, you got to miss a couple of series. You yeah. got to one no one play. You got to miss one a play, play. In the next play. But whatever. But at least you have to sit out. I think they should do that in soccer. You have a fourth official, and you could actually keep the time, you know, and, and keep all that in tabs and make sure that you know you want to stop the play. That's fine. But you're gonna be down a man for minimum two minutes. Yeah, and I think that the the reason why that hasn't been done at uh, a UEFA or, or even a FIFA uh, level is because the top five leagues in the world, that is not as big of a problem as it is with the lower leagues. And I think yeah, that it happens everywhere. It, it does happen. But I think that, that team does it. Portugal is one of the countries with the least amount of of playable Time or played time uh, in uh, in some of the, the the major leagues, and and there's no reason why the the Liga Profissional Portuguesa de Futebol uh, can't step in and say, okay, well these are UEFA's rules, but this is our competition, and internally we could put some measures in place in order for us to improve our game time clock right never the happen. actual game time clock it will never happen you but the words right out of but, it sh- but it could become the mls or what is it with the canadian the canadian uh soccer the cpo right, the cp because they, they stop look, the clock and corners and stuff one thing the one thing we we know from the portuguese league it's they, they already received plenty of criticism right that they're not top five yada 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 and then the minute you start implementing those stupid rules you, you're not going to be taken seriously so that's you know, not a stupid rule no i but everybody else would think it is, or they'll think? think more and they'll adapt it. Adopt it. <laughs> so I mean that that the league has never been progressive on, on anything. They can't even release a schedule. Uh, they got to release a schedule two weeks in advance uh, for that truth. month. That's a great point. That, that's that that's the truth. But but certainly, if you want to promote uh, uh, the Portuguese league and and be progressive progressive in terms of. Uh, benefiting the, the the spectacle and and the fans and and also the teams that work hard uh, in their games it's, it's it's an easy step and that's it's not that outlandish to put into place and I think it's somebody it's something that a lot of people will support and certainly after you put it in place I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of teams not doing that anti jogo type of stuff. You mentioned something that I would love to know. You mentioned the time of play. I know years ago they did something similar in the NFL, and out of 60 minutes, it was actually like seven minutes of actual play in a 60-minute game. I would like to see what those numbers are in the Portuguese, uh, especially you know in a, in a Maritimo game. I would like to see how uh, how many minutes you actually play in a 90-minute game. How many minutes is the ball actually in play as opposed to uh, sitting around and time-wasting. I, I would love to see. Are you looking that up, Alfredo? Yeah. Oh, damn. Alfredo on the spot. I know that um, 
not too long ago it was uh it was mentioned um I know that not too long ago it was mentioned, and I think that uh, Conceição actually uh, brought it up in one of his press conferences. But I'll, I'll tell you this much: uh, Bundesliga fifty-seven fifty-seven percent of the time is used. League One fifty-six, Serie A fifty-five, Premier League fifty-five, uh, uh, Spain or Spain fifty-three. Um, I'm trying to figure out here in this article that it says 49%, I think, is uh, is Portugal. So compared to the other ones, I think that Portugal, uh, they don't, the, the tempo jogado or the played uh, time is, is very uh, low compared to the some of the main leagues. But certainly, uh, I, I think that is something that the league could improve on. Easy. I, I think it's a brilliant idea. Two minutes out, it'll definitely make you second. Because if yeah. you're well, biggest, whatever whatever time it takes for you to be helped out, right, or that you were down, that's the time you're gonna sit out. Yeah, but then, but then that becomes subjective because we see it does. We see with you know Porto games, you know when they lift the, the little score with the little uh, what do you call it, the little plaque, right? It's you know Porto will say jogar até marcar, right? Other teams they they sit like you know Maritimo Benfica, they sit around for twenty minutes and they get four minutes. So that becomes I think the you sit out two minutes. I don't think you could argue that. I think it's two minutes until you could actually you know what I'm trying to say. That's something that's yeah a, a uniform across the league. I would like to see that. You know I I think that would that, that would definitely um, derail some teams from from game planning around that type of BS because they, they would be at a, a total disadvantage. Cristiano, any other takeaways from this game so we yeah, can uh, wrap it up? Beasy, once again, coming to the rescue. Uh, Everton finally decided to show up. I know there's been a lot of criticism on him over the last couple of weeks. He showed up, uh, came through big time, and Benfica were able to squeak away with uh, with the three points in, uh, in, a tape that, in, a, in a place that's not very easy to play in at times. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I had noted here to to uh, bring up is uh, Gonzalo Ramos. Ever since the the criticism that he, he got from JJ uh, for the game that he played against Paredes, he's now come out come off the bench twice: once against Rangers, once against Maritim, and both times he's done significantly better. Uh, do you think that? Oh, well, you know, I'll ask you this. But with Darwin coming, do you think those opportunities for for Gonzalo Ramos are gonna lesson I mean if you look at the chain of events it only makes sense right uh, Sferovic comes back a, not, a notch and he, and he takes I mean that just that's just the way I see it yeah. uh, we'd like to still see him get a couple minutes because the kid as you as you mentioned before when he's played lately he's had a positive effect on the game and we want to see it any young player uh, get to the next level and, and develop and get plenty of minutes and so uh, it'll be a shame uh, but look, it's it's going to be up to him if he keeps putting in these types of shifts and, and coming in and changing the game. And uh, I think it's going to be hard for for JJ or any coach to keep a guy like that, that 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 affects the game in a positive way to keep those guys on the sideline. Dave, numbers on this game. Yeah, just a quick stat uh, there. Not since uh, 2001, 2002 has Benfica conceded 10 goals through their first eight uh, Portuguese uh, league games. So. Uh, defensively, we've got some uh, problems like we've alluded to this podcast. 
Yeah. Up next is Past Ferreira. The game takes place this Sunday at 8 p.m. local, 3 p.m. if you're in the uh, east coast of the United States. Uh, tricky fixture. What's Past Ferreira been up to this uh, this year so far, Dave? They're uh, currently in fifth position. Now, when I uh, was doing uh, some research for this, I thought they were going to be another middle of the uh, team uh, squad here, but they're in fifth positions with uh, four wins. One already over uh, Porto uh, this season, two draws, and their uh, two defeats coming against uh, Sporting and uh, Guimarães. Um, they're unbeaten in their last six matches, going five wins and uh, one draw. And they've uh, led there by Canadian midfielder uh, Steven Eshtkai, <laughs> and uh, Douglas Eshtakiu. There you go. And uh, Douglas uh, Tank up front there. Yeah, and don't forget... Uh... Pippa, who is their uh, who's their coach, uh, Benfica Academy product, and, and somebody who's been doing well in the coaching ranks. Fredo, did you know <laughs> that Paz Ferreira is also known as the Capital do Móvel? No, they're also known as the Castores. No, but they're also known as the Capital do Móvel. The town itself, yes. Paz Ferreira. What, what did I say? I didn't say the club. I said Paz Ferreira. Yeah. I mean... See, I align with your did you know. You just you always mess mine up. That's why I don't say many. <laughs> Do you know that there's an IKEA factory in Pastoreta? Capital It goes in line with what I've been saying. I actually went to, to, to Pastoreta about 12 years ago or so shopping for, for, for mobilias for the house. So that's how I knew. It's the first time I, I've ever, I think it's the first and only time I've ever been to Capital Lomova. Yeah. A, nice town. A lot of wood around. Yeah, tricky fixture for uh, for Benfica, especially on uh, coming off a European uh, game on short rest against Sebastian Freire, who has done who has done well, who has done well so far uh, this season. I was looking at uh, their uh, they haven't lost a game in their last six games, five wins, one tie. Um, and the last time that they lost was back in October 2nd again. Those fixtures, European, blah, 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 all of that. But this is a team that year in, year out, they managed to, to stay uh, on that top half of uh, of the table. Uh, like you mentioned, Steven Eustachio, uh, big uh, big player for, for them. And he was in, in, in Portugal, and then he ended up going to Mexico, had a, had a very bad injury, knee injury in Mexico, returned to Portugal, doing well. Uh, but there's there's a couple of the guys, as you mentioned, Tank is, uh, is another one for this Pasto Freire team. Um, and uh, like I said, Pepe, who is, uh, who is a coach who has been doing well in the Portuguese ranks. Um, Dave, thoughts on this game, man? Our uh, one lucky thing for us is that it's going to be at the Estadio de Luxo. Uh, I know no fans there, but I still feel... Like it's more difficult when we go play these smaller clubs at their uh, their stadium. Um, I'm still expecting a, a victory at home uh, against Pasch Florida. What I want to know is how, how does Dave mention his fellow countryman and, and he gets his name wrong? I mean, that's that's what I do. That's what I bring to this podcast. Don't worry, oh. we got uh, some smaller. <laughs> Smaller uh, Portuguese cub, clubs coming up in the uh, December I, preview. That he doesn't have a Canadian to. last name. He has a Portuguese I, last name. I, look, I love you, Dave, but I, if it's Bullinesses, I expect, you know, not expect, but it's okay. You know, you, you get it wrong. That's fine. But your own countryman, Dave, you got to at least come prepared with that one. <laughs> hey, 
We forgot to mention that my own countrymen uh, opened the scoring for Rangers too. Uh, That's right. Scotty Armfield too. So Canadians on the board here. That's right. Hey, up and coming. See, huh? Armfield is much easier than uh, Stephen's last name. Come on. Stock you. Stock you. Stock you. And as we enter uh, as we enter this month of December, what uh, what does Benfica have on tap for this month of December, Dave? So we've uh, recapped Poznan uh, this Thursday, Pashuj de Ferreira on uh, Sunday, uh, followed by uh, away at Standard Liège uh, next Thursday, December 10th. And then we'll play the winner for the toss, uh, uh, either Villa Frankenis. <laughs> Villa Frankenis. Okay. Uh, yeah, or uh, San Juanes. San Juanes, huh? You're doing yeah. good. Dude. Yeah. Good okay. On uh, Sunday, December the 13th. Again, that's for the Tasa de Portugal. Uh, we play Guimarães on Wednesday, December 16th for the Tasa de Liga. Uh, back to league action on Sunday, December 20th against uh, Jovi Sint, and that is away. Uh, then on the 23rd, we have the Super Tasa Inaveiro uh, against uh, Porto. I was gonna and ask Porto in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a Wednesday fixture and uh, no Christmas or holiday break this year for the uh, the squad as they're back at it on uh, Sunday the twenty seventh of December against uh, Porto Menes. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to mention about the Tasa de Liga they've they've changed the the format as the uh, as as of the compact season that we're gonna have this year. Uh, so before we used to have. Uh, four groups out of those four groups, four teams would come out uh, and then they would play in the final four. Uh, this time around, there's no group stages. What they did is that they picked uh, the six top teams uh, in, in uh, Portugal right now, uh, Sporting, Braga, Benfica, Porto, Passos Ferreira and Vitória de Guimarães uh, and two of the top uh, second division teams, which are Mafra and Sturil. Uh, so all those teams will play against each other. Benfica will play against Guimarães as Dave mentioned, um, the winners of all those games will play the final four, and that final four would take place um, between the sixth. Well, they take place the sixteenth and the twenty third of uh, of January, and I think Leiria is the the final four uh, stage yeah. competition. Um, final for that competition uh so that's a, there's a little bit more information about the Tasa Liga, which the league just announced uh, today. They picked those teams on current standings. That's correct. Right? It had to be. Okay. It wasn't like on last year's standings or like there had to be a timeline. Yeah. I think I, I know that usually with the group stages, you grab what from last year. But this year, you just grab the, the top uh, six teams in the Liga Noche and the top two teams in the, in the, the championship. I mean, uh, all things considered, with, 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 the, with the pandemic going on and, and the jam-packed schedule, do you guys feel that? this competition should have even been played this year no oh. this this december uh schedule was already jam-packed without adding a an extra game like i i don't know how how we're gonna do it we're already seeing um some some fatigue and it seems like every three days we're, we've got a, a match now so there's no uh, no end in sight, uh, at least uh, right now, with all these competitions oh, at the yeah. squad. It's 3, 6, 10, 13, 16, 20, 23, 27. Jesus, it's really, it's, I mean, it's no, practically every every three days. I mean, Dave, you're right. Look, Federal might actually play. <laughs> <laughs> 
look, there's one thing with Boss Fred I wanted to mention as well. I forgot I forgot to mention this because I wasn't even because you guys said everything. There's was, there was really not much for, for, for left for me to say. But I, I think when Befica starts this game against uh, Pastor Freira, I think they should put Befica, you know, zero, Pastor Freira one on the scoreboard. Just like that, Benfica picked things up right from the beginning, and maybe we have a, you know, we're able to put the full ninety minutes together because it shows <laughs> over the last couple of weeks that we only start playing when we're down. So let's just go into this game down one nil and uh, and and go from there. Yeah, maybe the way we the keep... defense has been lately, I'm sure that they'll they'll just give up the goal within the first ten minutes, yeah. anyways. And maybe we could uh, we could slip uh, the scoreboard guy a couple George Washingtons, and he could uh, make it look like Benfica's losing. George Washington ain't much ain't worth much in Europe nowadays, bro. What about Jacksons? Ah, Franklins, Benjamins, right? Yeah, yeah, Franklins, Jacksons. That's, that's the one I want. The, the Franklins, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but the, the, everything is cheaper in Portugal, so you got you you got to start low and work your way up. Ah, razón. Anyway. That is all that we got uh, this week. As as you uh, have just heard us, we're going to have a jam-packed uh, schedule uh, for our podcast. Hey, one, last, uh, one last thing. Just uh, condolences to uh, Vitor Oliveira. He passed away oh, that's right. uh, this week. And a lot of people passed away. Uh, Maradona, Vitor Oliveira. But uh, man was uh, a legend within the Portuguese league. Brought uh, like six six uh, time uh, league two or second division uh, champion. Brought eleven clubs up through promotion. He was the promotion king. But uh, just condolences and uh, sad loss for uh, Vitor Oliveira. Yeah, sure. I think I think Maradona had the hand of God for scoring that goal against England, and Vitor Oliveira had the hand of God for promoting so many teams to the first division. And then his next job was always going to be a second division team. And then he promoted. He holds some kind of a record for promoting so many teams in consecutive years. He got the ultimate promotion, though. He's definitely, in first day, he's never coming back down. So He's never uh, coming back down. You're right about that. He's never going to get demoted once again. And look, Dave, thank you for mentioning that. Um I don't know what the hell me and Alfredo were thinking about. Uh, with two legends, obviously, one's going to get a lot more fanfare, and rightfully so, the GOAT uh, guy, controversial as may be, but loved by many. Uh, yeah. Just total, total football genius, and, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to uh, to have watched him. Um, obviously, there's, he's done some questionable things, but, you know, guess what? We all have. All right? At the end of the day, our closets, uh, we all have some skeletons in our closets, and others more severe than others, but I, I, I'm just excited and, and thrilled. Um, that I had the, the the opportunity to watch him play. As far as Mr. Oliveira, as you guys said so perfectly, he's, he's a tremendous guy, um, coach that's not going to be known by many outside of Portugal, but he had a tremendous impact on Portuguese football. Um, and I just you know want to tell these guys RIP and and, and Mr. Oliveira, thank you very yeah. much for presenting our, our 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 family name with such dignity and class. And I hope to uh, to only follow in those steps. Yeah, look, uh, I think that he touched uh, a lot of uh, people's lives, players and clubs alike. I mean, uh, I mean, just think about the ecstasy of a club uh, that has been promoted to the top uh, tier in, in, in Portugal and think that everything that comes to that club as being a, a top tier uh, team now. Uh, so a lot of clubs owe them 
a lot. A lot of players owed him a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly a guy that's going to be missed, uh, a character in his own uh, in his own way. Uh, and certainly a, a huge loss for, for Portuguese football. In terms of uh, Maradona, uh, much like Chris, I, I had the pleasure of, of watching him. You know, so as uh, we were growing up, we were watching Maradona. He was part of that uh, high uh, uh, simulcasts every Sunday morning that we used to watch that were the culture used to be the number one league in the whole wide world. And the likes of Maradona, Platini, uh, Van Bastens, among others, um, just so many. Uh-huh. Yeah, so many. Those were the golden years of the culture. Yeah, and- yeah, was I mean, that was it. That was the league. That everybody wanted yeah. to be um, uh, so world class players. Um, and what and I'm afraid the worst part about it is waking up early in the morning to watch that like, grainy ch- you couldn't even watch it, it couldn't even watch it clear, but you just you just watched it. Yeah, it was over the air. And uh yes, after a rough Saturday night waking up on a Sunday morning at uh 7 8 o'clock to watch those games was was uh, sometimes a, a, a task, but certainly it was something that at the time we didn't have much uh, much football. Uh, on TV, uh, and that was the one thing that we could always count on every Sunday to watch a, 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 a cultural game. Yeah, that 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 rainbow picture screen on the screen <laughs> until the game came on. Channel thirty one, Alfred. On every, <laughs> channel thirty one. Uh, oh my God, taken back. Now yeah. you can watch every game on Good. any device. Back yeah. in the day, that was it. You watched that game, and if if you didn't like it, oh well, you didn't like. There was nothing else you're gonna watch. Yeah, you couldn't Good. pick two, but Good. yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, good memory, and and uh, for me, uh, very very much, probably the best player that I've ever seen uh, play, and and of course all these things are are, are debatable, uh, but certainly in terms of genius, and oftentimes geniuses are misunderstood. Um, oftentimes, uh, a guy such as Maradona, a guy that uh, from a very early age, a lot of weight was put on his shoulders. He kind of had to create this persona. Uh, and if you watch one of the documentaries in which a guy that is his, uh, his physical uh, trainer or his, his trainer, he said, with uh, with Diego, I would go to the end of the world with him. With Maradona, I wouldn't even take a step uh, with Maradona. Uh, just to differentiate between the two personalities uh, and the two personas that he had to create in order to uh, support uh, the, the legend, support all the pressure that was putting on him. Um, and look, it, he was just he was he was a rebel. Uh, you always like to be on uh, the underdog or or for the underdog or fighting for the underdog and and causes that were not mainstream and and look we all know about Maradona and I think that uh, the the people that that choose to remember Maradona for uh, his troubles with with addiction that's that's perhaps the the, the wrong way to remember him uh, you got to remember uh, the men uh, the football. Uh, legend and the passion that he uh, had for game not too long uh, for that he had for the game not too long ago a couple days ago JJ mentioned how uh, Maradona had this passion for the game that he doesn't see in Messi and that's 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 very true Um, the passion that some of these guys have for the game that's kind of been lost throughout the years and look one of my favorite I want to throw this in there Alfredo one of my favorite Diego Armando Maradona stories is he goes into the Vatican to meet with the Pope and he's looking around and gold 
you know, ceilings and gold light chandeliers and just, I mean, the luxury of this place was, was, was next level. And he was, he was very impressed by it. And the Pope comes out, proceeds to start you know, talking and he, you know, Pope starts telling him how he thinks footballers are, you know, way overpaid. They're just kicking a ball around. They could feed many children with those, with the, with those extraordinary salaries. Like, yes, yes, you are right. Pope, you know, and I think if you sell all these ceilings, well, you could also feed a lot of people. And so Diego was that type of person that never shied away from saying what he had to say. Obviously some flaws we all do. Um, some things that, you know, uh, people uh, frown upon, but it is what it is. That's part of what made him great. Um, he's the most, Perfect and perfect football I've ever seen. I don't know. He's just a genius. And look, I'm a little bit younger than you. Got to watch him a little bit towards the later stage of his career. Um, infatuated by the guy. The guy just decaptivated you from the first second he stepped onto the field. You can never take your eyes off of him. Um, and I know some people listen, like Chris, you know, you, you're young. What do you really remember? So he's the GOAT. I really believe he's the GOAT. But the guy I got to see week in, week out that I could at least, you know, I could say, all right, from the guys that I've watched play day in, day out, the best I've ever seen is is Phenomenal Ronaldo, or not, otherwise known as Fat Ronaldo, whatever, whichever Ronaldo you want to describe him, but the, the original Ronaldo with with, uh, with uh, Brazil. To me, he's, aside from Maradona, he's the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. So for those of you listening at home, just, I know you don't care, but I'm giving you my two cents anyway. And there you go. And on that note, we will say goodbye. Next week, we'll be back. We'll recap uh, this uh, Lech Poznan game and uh, also the Pasofreda game. And we'll look ahead to Benfica's next fixture, which will be Standard Liège. And I know that they've mentioned it, somebody else. Anyway, 10CO10 is where you can find Cristiano on Twitter, uh, 87DO87, at Benfica Podcast. Uh, is uh, Dave's and in, in in, in our podcast, respectively. Thank you very much for checking us out. We'll speak to you again next week. Take care, everyone.